Well, good morning again. Uh, just a quick reminder about uh, our parking lot. Sometimes our parking lot's going to get full at different times uh, during first or second service. And to remind you, the parking lots of the two adjacent buildings are available to us um, on Sunday morning. So don't drive in and drive home if you can't find a parking spot. There's lots of parking spots um, next door. Um, and just uh, one quick uh, thing. I'm sure all of you saw on the news this week um, the terrible tragedy that happened in Turkey and Syria with the earthquake. And just a reminder, um, we as a church, we give every month to Samaritan's Purse and Samaritan's Purse is a disaster relief organization. And Samaritan's Purse is already on the ground there in Turkey. Just want to make mention of this. On February 10th, uh, they set up a 52 bed emergency field hospital um, with dozens of additional staff. This is from their website uh, to Turkey to address the immediate um, medical needs for families suffering from the disaster. Hospital components will be transported to Atakia, historically known as Antioch, a biblical city, and it will include two emergency operating rooms and a pharmacy. Um, Their teams are bringing urgent uh, needs such as tarps, blankets, solar lights in the hardest hit area. Between the hospitals and other efforts, there will be 100 disaster assistant response team specialists on the ground. So, you know, some of us might like to think, you know, I'd love to be there in Turkey. Um, Again, with your giving here at the City Church, you are on the ground helping this group of people um, coming in to help the people affected by this terrible tragedy. So there's over 100 people responding, and then they're responding in the name of Jesus, which is good news for us. All right, we are starting a brand new series today about love. Couple days we have Valentine's Day, forced romance day, I like to call it. <laughs> Just kidding. Do something for Valentine's Day for your spouse, for your significant other, for your friends. Valentine's Day is a big deal now. Um, so do something for love. We're, we're all about love uh, as followers of Jesus. And then when we think about love, you know, this is, this is such a, a word. It's, it's a, an important word. It's, it's a non-scientific word. But we think this word is so important. And it's the, the ultimate goal of our lives um, in, in so many different ways. And we, we want to, in this series, we want to address love. This really, the series is about relationships. We want to look at friendships. We're going to look at, talk about marriage. We're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about love for single people, what all of these things mean from the scriptures. There's lots for us to glean um, through this series. We, we all desire love. We desire to give it and receive it. Um, we want to sense it. I I want to feel it from you or you would want to feel it for me. And then we don't necessarily know what it is sometimes. Is it fleeting emotions? Is it commitment? Do we believe in love at first sight? Any single people want to give me an amen there? It's like, I just want to see and know that they're the one for me. Um, our love, is, is it a commitment? Is it consistent action? Or is it something elusive, something that we can never f- find? You know, we can incorrectly define it or maybe look to the scripture to define it for us. You know, if we think about Spotify or Apple Music, if it wasn't for love songs or love gone wrong songs, there would be like 90% less music for us to listen to. And, and here, here's a Gen X list of some um, songs. You know, the Beatles told us, all you need is love. But Tina Turner told us, what's love got to do with it? <laughs> it's just a secondhand emotion. 
John Legend told us, all of me loves all of you. Now my wife is at home and she'll be in kids second service. So she didn't get to be serenaded by me this morning. But we love that song. It's a good song. It's a good love song. Rihanna, in celebration of her halftime performance this afternoon, the Super Bowl, no matter what I do, I'm no good without you. I can't get enough. Must be love on the brain. Etta James told us, at last. (laughs) People love this song. My love has come along. My lonely days are over and life is like a song. Because <laughs> love came home. Um, Roxette from the 80s, one hit wonder. It must have been love, but it's over now. <laughs> All Taylor Swift songs. <laughs> I don't know why any guy would ever date Taylor Swift ever again. Because you know for sure she's going to take you out. And then finally, another 80s song, Jay Giles' band, Love Stinks. (laughs) Now, did we discover it in there somewhere? Did we figure it out? Are we excited about it? Are we sad about it? Or if we found it and then we lost it, it's the absolute worst thing. And again, this is not a scientific word. We, We can't necessarily look at it. and There's no matter involved with it. It's not something that we can actually touch this word love, it, it exists in our heart or it exists in our mind. But again, we, we don't want to live without it. We don't want to live without giving it out and we don't want to live uh, receiving it. And the reality is humanity struggles in relationships. Uh, friendship is hard and marriage is hard and parenting is hard and being single is hard and all these different things that we face in life as it relates to relationships. We struggle with love. We don't know what it is or what we should do with it from the scripture that we would see that all of the actions of God toward man are loving or motivated by love. And that our purpose in life that we would also see from the scriptures through the ministry of Jesus that we need to love people. He's commanded us to love one another. When we look at love in the New Testament written in the Greek language, uh, there's four different words uh, used in the New Testament for love, and it all expresses different things. The first one is phileo, and it's just friendship love, affection, support, equality within a friendship. The, the city of Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love based on this word. The second word that we would see that's used in love is the word eros, or where we get our word erotic, which has to do with marriage relationships, talking about uh, physical intimacy, sexual intimacy, and again, reserved for a man and woman in the context of marriage. We see this used in the New Testament. Storge love, which is family love, which is characterized by empathy, affection, compassion, family. And then finally, agape love. We would describe this love by unconditional love, selfless love, or we would call it the God kind of love, Christ-like love. When we think about love, sometimes again, we're looking for a feeling, but the feelings of love will follow our actions. And our starting place, trying to understand what love is, is that we need to look to God. The scripture tells us that God is love. God loves us. One of the earliest songs, if you grew up in church, is Jesus loves me, this I know. 
for the Bible tells me so. Having an understanding of God loving us will frame love for us properly. Will, will help us to understand the purpose of love and, and how we should feel love and, and the type of love that is given to us by God. And it, it will frame so much in our lives how we act. Because again, we can be in relationships um, where love seemingly breaks us when it goes the wrong direction. And we read some of those lyrics. And then it causes us to act in terrible ways in relationships down the road because we don't get love right or the people that we're in relationship don't get love right. But God loves us. And if we would look at this perfect love, it can frame our lives properly. And we need uh, to characterize the love of God. We need to distinguish it from all other types of love so that we can understand love as it should be understood. We need to receive we need to receive the love of God in all its fullness so that we are able then to give it away. Otherwise, we could just be selfish or we can live incorrectly if we don't actually understand what the love of God is. First John chapter four, verse 19 says this. We love because he first loved us. So again, the source of our love is not just some notion. It's not inspired by a song or just somebody that we have this desire for love. We have this desire for relationship because God is a relational God. And then he loves us. He first loves us. So we need to get this order right. It will help us again in our relationships, knowing that the eternal God, the creator God, what is his disposition towards you? Um, He loves you. And again, this will help us in life. This will help us with the big things in life and the small things in life. God has affection for you. God cares about you. All of the distinguishers of love that we would know and understand about God, this is actually who he is. And then all of that is aimed towards you. God loves you. We love because he first loved us. Ephesians chapter two, verse four says this. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. So again, this reveals a little bit more about the love of God. God being rich in mercy. The scripture tells us that God's mercies are new every morning. Every day, God gives us his mercy. And we don't actually deserve God's mercy. We're we're not good enough. We're not perfectly moral individuals. We don't do and say everything right all of the time. We fall short of the glory of God, the scripture tells us. But God is rich in mercy. Something that we struggle with giving to people that we're close to. Why? Because we know their humanity. We know their shortcomings. We know what they struggle with. So we're not as rich in mercy as God is. But here, God being rich in mercy because of the great love, not just a small love, but the great love with which he loved us. Great love. Listen, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Sinning, separate from God. That God moved towards us with love and mercy even when we're pushing him away. 
And this is why we keep praying for our loved ones who don't know Christ because he comes every day with his mercy. God send a laborer into their lives. Why? Because God is rich in mercy. And even when we were pushing God away, every day he shows up in our lives with his mercy and he offers us love because of what Christ did. We love because God first loved us. This is, this is a great love. This is a love that's full of mercy. This is a love that we don't act upon this way. Again, when somebody's pushing us away, what's our reaction? We, we write a song about them, right? We're like, fine. No, but, but God is rich in mercy, great love. And mercies are new every morning. God is always taking a loving step toward us. First John chapter three, verse one, first part of the verse says this, see what kind of love the father has given us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. See, we're supposed to consider this. Consider that God has, one translation says, lavished his love upon us. And we're actually supposed to think about this. We're supposed to be aware of this notion that God will always be there. You know, sometimes we imagine life based on the person who left us or is no longer our friend or no longer we're married to this person. And this is our definition of love. But see, the the love of the father, we're supposed to think about this and consider it. That what? That we should be called the children of God and so we are. And this is the identity that God is calling us all to into this relationship with God, to be a son and a daughter of God based on what Jesus has done. That he calls us his child, not based on our own goodness, not based on our own action, not based on our history, but based on who God is. God is love. That we are his children. Think about that. Consider it. I am a child of God. And again, this should be something that we consider every day. It's really important. You know, a lot of times people are brought up in different homes and they are brought up with different resource levels and, and, and children will act based upon what their parents can provide for them in different contexts. But what about God the Father? Is God's power short? Is, does he come up short with power? Does he not have resources for us? I am a child of God. Man, I can't find a job. I'm struggling to find a job. Yeah, but, but you have the father, God, who pours out his favor and his mercy and his goodness upon you every day. I'm not acting like I don't have a dad without resources. I'm talking about a heavenly father that we should see that he calls us his children, this will change how we act. That our father is there and he loves us. I was, when, when I think about these things as it relates to my own father, I can remember one time uh, we came across a dog when I was pretty young and I, and I was of the age that I was still, I would walk around sometimes, I would just hold my dad's leg. And so in this moment, I was fearful. So I just grabbed my dad's leg but then I had confidence to reach out to the dog. 
And this is the way we need to think about God. Whatever situation we face, I have the Father to hold on to. I don't have to be afraid. I'm a child of God. God loves me. Again, this is not just a, it's good that we sing Jesus loves me. And sometimes that, that idea, that notion could, be some, could become trite to us and meaningless to us. But it's so important. It should be the foundation of our lives. It should be our found, the foundation of our lives in Christ. God loves me and I am his child. It changes how I act. It changes what I do. Now, again, when we think about love, we can minimize it to one thing. But if we think about the notion that God is love, that God would give us a fullness of the understanding of what love actually is. I remember one time I I, I used the reference. um, I was talking about Jesus turning over the tables of the money changers in the temple. And somebody was talking to me after service. And, you know, they thinking about God being loving. And they said, you know, I don't think Jesus turning over the tables of the money changers was that loving. It doesn't seem like love to me. Now, again, we can define love any way we want, or we can try to. We could try to change the definition of love. But when we think about that time, did Jesus not love those people? Did Jesus not care about those people? What was the problem with those people? They were doing the wrong thing. And so love showed up in that moment and turned over the tables of the money changers. In other words, there was correction in love. Now, do we like correction and love? Pastor Brent, you were doing so good. (laughs) Mercy and grace and forgiveness. But there's another part of love that's really important that is actually true love is, is correction. Any parents in the room? You, you, you can't say, oh, I just love my child so much I can't correct them. No, no, no. The opposite is true. You, when you love them, you do correct them. Don't let them act a fool. Are you here this morning? I'm, I'm going to preach on parenting in a couple weeks, so I don't want to get off on it this morning. But you correct your children because you love them, you, you don't want them to do stupid things. You don't want them to act crazy ways. Why? Because you as a parent know that this behavior takes you down the wrong road. And so this is also love. Love corrects us. Love changes us. And again, if we think about this, I'm his child, but then I'm also this. This gives us a fuller understanding of love. Because again, if we just think, Well, that's not nice, so it's not loving. Or you don't agree with me, so that's not loving. No, the opposite is actually true sometimes. I will disagree with you because I love you. Amen. Let's read this here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. It says, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My sons, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Do not be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. If he didn't discipline us, he wouldn't be loving us. Now, again, what does the discipline of God look like? What does it mean? Is God hurting us? Is God damaging us? Is God taking a hammer? And is God causing us to get in a car accident? Is God is doing all manner of evil? No, this is not who God is. God doesn't have any evil to give us, the scripture tells us. In James chapter one, there's no variableness or shadow of turning. 
So how is God correcting us? With his words, with his word, he's correcting us. With his word, he's disciplining us with his word by what he says. He wants us to obey. And this is discipline. When we have to follow words that aren't our own. Are you here this morning? That's discipline. Because a lot of times I just want to do what I want to do. And if you're loving, you'll let me do what you want, what I just want to do. No, that's not necessarily love. Because the thing that you're doing might be foolish. And this is the same thing what God is telling us. He loves us, so he disciplines us. Again, not with evil. He doesn't have any evil to give us. It's not causing evil or bad in your life. He is disciplining us with his word. He's correcting us, changing us. I have a few philosophical thoughts about that because I know people, people believe this. A lot of people believe this in the body of Christ. Just because you have something bad happen to you doesn't necessarily mean you learned anything. Some people are like, well, God is teaching me something with this thing. Yeah, but that thing doesn't actually mean that you learned anything. You're still gonna have to follow the word of God. Are you here this morning? Because you could just have a thing happen to you and then you're just the same person. And all of us are gonna have things happen to us. And those negative, evil things are not coming from God. But all of us are gonna have to choose to be disciplined by the word of God, to take the word of God, incorporate it into our lives and be corrected. The Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is the discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all you have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So I don't wanna be an illegitimate child of God. In other words, just doing my own thing. This is where the Lordship of Jesus comes in. Not just doing my own thing and my own thoughts. I am yielding myself. I'm disciplining myself to the word of God. Now, does that give us a fuller understanding of love? Because that's really important. It's really important. Well, that thing, that correction is not loving. No, it is actually the most loving thing a lot of times is correction. So let's fill it out some more because I know that's not quite as exciting. John 15 verse nine, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you, Jesus is speaking. Abide in my love. We want to remain there. And we can see the love of God in the ministry of Jesus. Showing up in his life. Spending time, spending time with the Father. As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, oh, have I loved you that we should stay in the love of God in every respect. We wanna stay in the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness and the healing power and the favor of God, but we also want to stay in the correction of God, the fullness of the love of God, the fullness of who he is because God is love. Psalm 69 verse 16 says, answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. All aspects of the love of God are good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. 
We should desire the love of God to live our lives from this platform of the love of God. And then the second part, and this would be the, mostly the rest of the series is loving other people. That love is the high way of living, learning to be a loving individual by God's definition is the high way of life. I'm not talking about the 401. I'm talking about higher, better than. It's the high way to live. When we learn to live in love, all of the facets of the love of God, because we love because he first loved us. And so this is how we are supposed to love other people the same way that God is loving us with all of the aspects of love, with all these different words that we mentioned. James chapter two, verse eight says this. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and you, are, and you are convicted by the law as transgressors. The royal law, and this is why I say the high law, the royal law, the highest law is love. And what are we gonna do? We're gonna love our neighbor as ourselves. And the assumption is that you love yourself, which you do. Because I'm, I'm looking at you and, and most of you had a shower this morning. Most of you smell good, I think. I'm not smelling anything up here. And hopefully you all brush your teeth for the sake of your family and friends. And so all of that self-care <laughs> tells me that you love yourself. But how are we supposed to love other people? Just, just like you love yourself, just like you take care of yourself, just like you do things for yourself. Well, I'm, I'm gonna act the same way with other people. This is the royal law. This is the highest way to live. And again, people in secular society, people who have nothing to do with God also have the same desire for love that we would just find love, discover love, feel love, sense love. We're on the search for love. Can't we just love each other if all of the people in the world would just love each other? Wouldn't this be the solution? Yes. But that love didn't come from you or from me. Humans didn't create love. God gave us this vision for love. The highest love, the royal law is that we would love other people like we love ourselves. Romans chapter 13, verse 18 says, Sorry, verse eight says this. Oh, no one anything except to love each other. But the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandments are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling of the law. So here, the writer referring to the 10 commandments. The 10 commandments are don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. But then if we love, we won't do those things. So he's flipping them around so that we would understand love in its action. When I'm loving someone, I'm not gonna do these negative things toward them. The law prevents us from doing those things, but then love, if I'm loving somebody, I'm not gonna be doing these things. I'm not gonna be coming against them. I'm not gonna be hurting them. Why? Because I'm loving them. This is the law. This is the royal law. This is the highest law on the earth. This law of love, and it comes from God. 
This is how God wants us to live our lives. 1 Corinthians 13, we're almost done. The chapter that we read at weddings. So beautiful, so poetic. But then when we get home, it's the hardest thing to live. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 says this, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give all that I have to deliver up my body to be burned and have not love, I gain nothing. And in these first three thoughts, you can see all of the extremes of Christianity. That's a good topic of discussion. But without love, they're all meaningless. And what what type of love is being discussed here? Love for people. Like an affection in your heart, the, the type of love that God has given you. That this is the place that we're supposed to be Loving because all of these things can just be expressions of self. These are all religious things, so to speak. These are all things found in the scripture. All of these things that we read in that first part, these are all good things to do. But the, the scripture is also telling us if we don't do these things with love, it's, it's, it's meaningless or it's noisy or, or, or I'm nothing without love. And we actually believe that to be true, even this is our first day at church, even if we don't care about God, we actually believe this to be true, that love is really important. Let's keep reading. Love is patient. Let's, let's pause. You know, in, in the book of Psalms, there is a word that said salah. In other words, stop and think about what we just read. So let's, let's read and think. Love is patient. Does anyone struggle with patience? Does anyone struggle with patience when your family is late a lot? I do. I, I've, tried to, I've tried to work around this, my friends. This is really hard. Uh, here's how I've tried to fix some of it. I, I'm trying to fix my heart with it, but then... Partly, I'm, I'm realizing that communication helps. So we have a family text chat. If we're going somewhere, I'm like, okay, guys, we have to be here at this time. I want everybody at the front door at this time. I try to say it with nice, a heart at the end of it, in the chat. I try to say it with love. But some days, even after I'm clear in my communication, at the time I've texted, I'm standing at the door alone. In that moment, I let patience have its perfect work in my life. Sometimes, other days I'm yelling up the stairs, guys, I said, sometimes I'm patient. Sometimes I'm not just like all of you. Love is patient and kind. Kind means treating somebody like your family, kin, kind treating somebody this way. Love does not envy or boast, not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable, resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. 
Love bears under all things. Love believes all things, hopes all things, has an expectation for the future. Love endures all things. Verse 13, now faith, hope, and love abide these things, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And we just know that that is true. And here, love is turned into actions. Now, thank God for those feelings of love, for those emotions that we have within friendship and those emotions that you have when you're dating and you get engaged and you get married. Thank God for all of those emotions. But here, love is turned into actions that we do and actions that we don't do. Some of these, these negative actions that we see mentioned that love isn't, if we, we flip it around, we can actually find what love is. Love is not envious, so we're not coveting somebody else's stuff or life. So instead of being envious of people, we can be inspired by people. If we're inspired by them, we love them. If we're wanting their stuff, we're not loving them. Love does not boast. It's not embellishing about oneself. Love has an honest perception of yourself. And in all relationships, we need to be honest about ourselves. And in the stories that we tell about relationships gone wrong, we always tell what the other person did. And then we can embellish about ourselves, but love doesn't do that. Love is not arrogant, proud, pride in self. What does love do? Love lifts other people up, celebrates what other people are doing. Love is not rude. Rude just means to act unbecomingly, that we would be more polite. And amen, I wanna risk an amen there. It's very easy for us to be rude sometimes. We don't want want to be rude, we should be polite. Love could insist on its own way. What does that mean? To manipulate others with your emotions, insisting on your own way. Otherwise, I'm going to have a fit. You got to do what I said. No, love doesn't do that. Love says it's okay that it doesn't have to be my way this time. That's what love does. Love is not irritable. In other words, easily provoked. And if we flip it around, that means I don't have a short fuse. I have a really long fuse. It's it's not easy to make me mad. And finally, this John 15, verse 13, Jesus helping us to understand about love. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is the greatest understanding of love, this self-sacrificial love. And I drive my kids crazy with this, but this is why in all of the hero movies, the hero sacrifices himself, gives something of himself because this is actually the essence of humanity, the essence of love as we have discovered it, not creating it. That love lays himself down and his name is Jesus. And Jesus shows us the love of the father. God didn't just shout down from heaven. Hey guys, I love you. Can you feel it? 
God didn't just write us a love song, but there were his actions for God so loved the world. He sent his son and then his son laid himself down for us so that we should be able to recognize the love of the father, that there's no greater love than this. So this is how we're gonna be. This is a a precursor to all the things that you're gonna learn in this series that we're gonna lay down ourselves for other people and all the various different ways and all the various different relationships that's gonna show up in different relationships. But there's no greater love than laying yourself down for others. So let's just pray this morning. Father God, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we're changed by your love. We're changed by your word today. God, help us to understand the love that you have given to us. Help us to live from that place that you give us your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and your favor and your correction and your help and your spirit. And you give us all of these because you love us. God, we pray that you help us to love others. We pray that you help us to live live in this high way of life, that we would fulfill the royal law in our lives, that you would show us how to lay down our life for others, to give of ourselves so others can sense and know love. We thank you for that in Jesus' name we pray, amen know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That last verse that I read helps us to understand about how much God loves us and wants to be in a relationship with us. And he made a way for us to be in relationship with us by what Jesus has done on the cross, that he sacrificed himself, that he gave himself inspired by love. We, we can't have a relationship based on our own goodness or perfection because we aren't perfectly good. We can't create some sort of religion and offer that to God, that God has made a way for us through Christ. And all we have to do is say yes today. It's an offer of grace. It's a gift. And when God offers us a gift, we should just say yes to it. So I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second. And if you have never said yes to Jesus, I invite you to pray along with me. Or maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you're not close to God. Maybe you were at one time, maybe something happened. You know, God is not mad at you this morning. God invites you close to himself again. You pray along with me as well. So let's all bow our heads and close our eyes in church. Let's pray this out loud, praying with somebody who might be rededicating their life to Christ or saying yes for the first time. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I can know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn for my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.